Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. You and me are going out tonight. Wear something cute, okay? You always do what Jennifer tells you to do. It's just that I like the same things that she likes. Hey, Jennifer. You look really pretty. Why don't you just come by my place? Well, this is random. This isn't really your house, is it? We can play mommy and daddy. No way. We always share your bed when we have slumber parties. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Chip is looking really cute to me lately. How is he tasting these days? You are never a good friend. You could have anybody that you want. Why Chip? You're killing people. Are you scared? Oh, you only murdered boys. I go both ways. I will finish you if I have to. Okay. You can barely finish gym class. On Season 8, Episode 4 of Paid and Puke, we're salivating over Karen Kusama's 2009 horror comedy, Jennifer's Body, starring Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox, written by Diablo Cody. I'm Jessica Baxter. <laughs> I don't know. Andy Malone. I'm Christina Barr. And joining us today for a special Keggers with Kids all episode long, it's Logan Green. You blow it tonight, girl, and it's Keggers with Kids all next year. Jennifer's Body tells the story of Anita Needy Lesnicki, Amanda Seyfried, and her best friend slash worst enemy, Jennifer Check, Megan Fox. I just killed my best friend. And your worst enemy. Same difference. Flash forward to a prison where Needy is hurting people and getting thrown in solitary, and then flash back two months earlier where the film kicks off in earnest as a classic high school story with Jennifer playing a hot, bitchy girl and Needy as her reserved, lifelong friend. They go to see a band at their local bar where a horrible fire destroys the place and Jennifer ends up driving off with the band. She returns to Needy as a boy-eating demon. As their friendship falls apart and more people are murdered, the movie becomes an exploration of toxic female friendships and burgeoning sexuality. With a progressive feminist lens that was completely overlooked at the time. Logan, tell us why you love this movie. I don't know, I've seen this movie a lot of times. There's, I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I love this movie. I like the themes are really interesting. I feel like it's kind of a unique movie in its plot. I don't know, I feel like there's not a lot of other movies with sort of that general vibe to it, like with the different exploration, like you said, of like sexuality and I don't know. I really like it. <laughs> what was your favorite part about it the first time you saw it? The first time I saw it, that was a long time ago. I like the scene where Jennifer, like, tells Needy everything that happened. And she, like, tells her about how she's been, like, eating people. And then she switches up on Needy and, like, is like, <laughs> why? You're having crazy thoughts. I don't know. Someone should, you should talk to someone. And ever since then, I just knew what I had to do to be strong. And when I'm full, 
like I am right now, I'm like unkillable. What do you mean when you're full? What about my mom's Kia? Why were you covered in blood? You didn't even look human. You know, Needy, maybe you should talk to somebody about these disturbing thoughts that you're having. We're all really concerned. Especially Chip. I think he may be having second thoughts about you. Leave. I just yeah. always thought that was a cool, like, unveiling of what's been happening. And Adam Brody's really funny in it. I don't know if we should go through with this. Dirk. Do you want to work at Moose Hoof Coffee forever? I don't, okay? Do you want to be a big loser? Or do you want to be rich and awesome like that guy from Maroon 5? Maroon 5. Okay, that's what I thought. So we fetch me the ritual, brother. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. That's it? He's good at being so scary and menacing and also like a dork. I don't know. He's really, I feel like he brings more nuance to his characters than right. is called for. Right. He's a niche of like charming asshole because we just watched Sleeping with Other People. He only has like a small part in them. Like he's kind of a dick, but I feel like that's like his thing that he can play really well. Like someone who is sort of charming, but also a dick. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes me laugh really hard in this movie when he's like, Hate girls. Are you guys rapists? Oh, God, I hate girls. I mean, that's really telling, too, because it's not the usual sexual predator thing, or is it? Like, right. they didn't bring her in there to sexually assault her, but right. they are going to do something much worse. But even if they did sexually assault her, he could still very much hate girls. Right. Anything they're doing to her in there is because of misogyny. What made you excited to go back and watch it again and again, Logan? I mean, part of it is I really like the soundtrack. I feel like there's really cool imagery in it. Like, I feel like there's scenes that just look and feel really cool. Like the scene where she kills Colin Gray. It's cutting between the different scenes, uh, like with Needy and Chip. And I don't know, I always liked sort of how that plays out. And like the imagery of him like showing up in this sort of abandoned area. <laughs> the unnervingness. Yeah. You kind of know more of what's going on because you know Jennifer's eating people. I've always liked that sort of vibe of it. Yeah, you know he's doomed. Kind of got that first date excitement and he's singing along. It's really sad for him. They really establish him as like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, awesome. But he's so doomed. <laughs> Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? I'm Diablo Cody, the writer of Jennifer's Body. I'm Megan Fox, and I play Jennifer Check in Jennifer's Body. And we're just here to talk about the film 10 years after its release. Critics were awful. I felt like they didn't actually watch the movie. Like, how could they review it the way that they did after having watched the movie? I do feel like, obviously, it was mismarketed. And I yeah. think that's probably, you probably feel a lot of anger about that, right? Or you did at the time, because I, it was I marketed in a way. Yeah, that, that yeah. it didn't really give it much of a chance, but... It's their job to be impartial and be neutral and to watch a movie and review it that way. And that's obviously not what happened. Obviously, it was very poorly marketed, this movie, <laughs> yeah. and did not do well as a result. They were marketing it aggressively to straight teenage boys. Mm, yeah, strange choice. Such a strange choice, considering... <laughs> <laughs> no. 
the studio had a very strong, unshakable belief that this movie needed to be marketed to young men specifically. So that was who they... Which came because of me, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, I got a very memorable email from a, um, a marketing person at the studio once. I, you know, had sent him this articulate defense of the film and here is how it should be marketed. And I, I said, what specifically are you thinking? And he wrote back, Megan Fox hot. Three words. It's very strange. I mean, I guess it's just like, oh, there's two hot women. They're crazy hot. <laughs> yeah, I remember Maybe the poster of Megan Fox just in the desk. It looked like an 80s movie poster. Yeah, and that was definitely just shot for the poster. Like, it wasn't a scene from the movie or yeah. anything. They're just crafting this, like, false image of the movie. I guess, like, all the guys that saw her in Transformers are like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the hot girl from Transformers. Yeah. So it was poorly reviewed because everyone went in there with with one idea of what it was going to be, and somehow we weren't ready for what it really was. Even the AV Club, which is usually pretty progressive in their takes, said, it's clever for its own sake, a showy piece of writing that doesn't have that all-important ballast of sincerity. (laughs) Everything about that is wrong. Uh, Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I mean, what do you mean? It's pretty sincere. The LA Times said that Cody's dialogue is a self-conscious splatter over a sorely lackluster scare flick. And Karin Kusama is able to generate old-fashioned same sexploitative zing, but can't muster up a modicum of suspense elsewhere. <laughs> That's just a word salad. That doesn't yeah. even mean anything. <laughs> comedy with the horror. I thought yeah. that was yeah. so good together. They're really well balanced, too. It really is. And it is pretty scary. Like, the scene where Jennifer first comes back. Oh, yeah. Like, that whole sequence is so scary. From the knock on the door to her in the kitchen and the sound she's making coming out of her and the John Carpenter's The Thing vomit that she does all over the kitchen. My mom got that at Boston Market and I'm, I'm, I'm not Yeah, and I guess it's because the people going to see that movie for Megan Fox's tits would totally miss a shot that was so unlike anything you'd ever seen, which is her face when the door is closing in the van. That shot is so powerful. It's really haunting. Megan Fox herself is like portraying a level of nuanced acting in that moment that she never gets credit for. I think she is so fantastic in this movie. Like I imagine that she didn't get a lot of praise because she is really often like coming across real sort of vapid, vacant, bland, you know, but I think it's like such a good and interesting choice. So many of her line deliveries are so like, I don't know, like she has this dead eye stare. I love when she's on the phone and lighting her tongue on <laughs> I am a god. There's definitely a lot of Heather's vibes going on yeah. that people did not pick up on. Yeah, I love the satire. It was like Heather's, you know, they have this fire. All of a sudden, everybody in the town is like at a candlelight vigil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Christian rock or whatever. That kind of, uh, I don't, I don't it's know. This is a performative morning, sort of. Performative morning. This is a dark, dark day for a devil's kettle. 
believe me you I have lived through some some pretty heavy stuff we lost eight precious students including Ahmed from India several parents and our beloved Spanish teacher Senorita Erickson Shit. The scene where the, the teacher is talking about like the people who died and Jennifer's like, man, that sucks to be them. Feels very Heather's. People die, Jennifer. It's like all over the news. National news. Anybody that we know? We know everyone. Sucks to be them, I guess. What are you doing tonight? I don't know. Morning. Maybe watch some TV. It was definitely ahead of its time in so many ways. Shut up. Hot Probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. My main hot prop is that the dialogue is like a little too... I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just, it's too Juno, I guess. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> she sure. did write the script at the same time as Juno. We're totally let's be gay. Gracias, Raimondo. Oh, Jesus Christ, there's somebody here. Why are you so warm? Shetties. What are you talking about? Mm. A fiery death trap last night and now a cannibal psycho takes down the biggest guy in school? Come on. It's freaked hearted. That's really <laughs> my only hot prop is how her dialect can just be so cringe. I don't think it's nearly as bad as in Juno. It's also a little funny like how I feel like she's trying to make salty and jello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're totally jello. You're lime green jello and you can't even admit it to yourself. You're this indie rock band from the city. I saw their MySpace page and the lead singer's extra salty plus there'll be lots of other salty morsels there for you anyway the singer guy jennifer says he's extra salty so salty salty means beautiful well then you must be soy sauce babe it's very funny that salty sort of did happen but not to <laughs> be beautiful that's kind of funny and she was so close with jello <laughs> it was jelly yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally lime green jello is what I got. That's how I wrote down like Juno. That's hard when she calls Chris Pratt a total gomer. You're wearing eyeliner. You look like a bunch of fagos. Well, you would think that, Roman, because you're a small-time gomer. Come on. I mean, that was outdated at that Wait, time, like, even. Uh, yeah, like yeah. it's a reference to a the sitcom from the... From before my... Yeah, like the 60s or something, like yeah, 50s or 60s. It was like in syndication in the 80s, but not the 90s, though. So I guess Diablo Cody's making like a childhood reference when she's writing teenagers, which does not work out. Obviously, they use the R word a little too much at too many iterations of that like a lot of the made-up slang riffs on the r-word not great she's like packing a lot of pop culture references but i feel like that's not her fault because it's like she was praised so much for doing in juno and right. to the point where she won an oscar well it has a lot of props <laughs> so many props it's pretty charming but it's got real cringe screenplay and then she said that she regrets making it pro-lifers kind of like took it and ran with it you know like uh -oh. people they take it as a pro-life movie like she just wanted to tell a story of a teen teenager having a baby for adoption but she you know what <laughs> trying to be an anti-abortion movie or something you know it's got Kimberly Dawson on the soundtrack it does yeah we'll watch it <laughs> film <laughs> and then like Joss Whedon also was 
kind of getting a lot of praise at the time for very Buffy-esque dialogue. I mean, I've watched a couple of episodes of Buffy the last couple of years, and I'm like, wow. I still love the core of it, and it was still progressive for the time, but it's like just so stylized to yeah. Joss Whedon's I've voice. I've never watched it, but I loved the movie with Christy Swanson. <laughs> I watched that a lot. Yeah, the movie's really fun. I really yeah, like that movie. Also very Heather's influence, that movie. It's not real a hot prop, <laughs> but like, it's very upsetting to see J.K. Simmons with hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have such an aversion to it. It was so upsetting that like, I didn't notice his hook hand for a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it maybe took me a full minute to notice he was missing a hand. <laughs> what an interesting choice that is too. Like, why did they give him a hook hand? <laughs> I don't know. Just like the shop teacher kind of thing. But he wasn't even the shop teacher. It's weird. Uh, And then also just a little bit needy opening the door late at night without looking out the window first. Because the door has a little window. Why would you just open the door without looking? Like, come on. I wish they'd done something with the bassist. They keep talking about the one guy in the band who didn't want to kill her. And they keep mentioning, like, he gets in an argument with Adam Brody. And then Jennifer's like, wow, the bass is so low on the myths. And they never do anything. How this guy's such an outlier in the band and they don't do anything with it. I want something to happen with it. That's really funny. I just love that comment about the bass in the mix. I'm already sick of that song. Yeah, it's really poorly produced. Okay, the bass may be lower in the mix. Another problem is, but this was like pretty par for the fucking course at the time, characters of color are pretty (laughs) sidelined. It's a very white-centric story. Like, a character's name is Ahmet from India. (laughs) And he's like credited like that as well, I think. Hey, it's Ahmet from India. Yeah, that foreign exchange guy. I wonder if he's circumcised. I always want to try to see cucumber. <laughs> Ew. And then just that all of this happened in two months. To me, that's just like, what? <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm kind of into it because high school does seem to have a weird relationship with time. Like, it's interminable and so fast. I did look a little bit into Megan Fox's how this kind of sent her into a terrible depression. This movie. Oh, really? Yeah, making this movie. I had, I think, a genuine psychological breakdown, probably, where I wanted just nothing to do. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to have to take a photo. I didn't want to have to do a magazine. I didn't want to have to walk a carpet. I didn't want to have to be seen in public at all because the the fear and the the belief, the, the absolute certainty that I believed that I was going to be mocked or spat at or someone would yell at me or people would stone me or savage me for just being out and being whatever. I didn't look perfect. I was too fat. I was too thin. I was stupid. I was offensive. I was a waste of space. I was a bad actress, whatever. Well, all of the, all of the things you can think of, I, I anticipated experiencing that because my belief system was from what I had experienced that the world wasn't going to accept me. And so I had, I just went through a very dark moment after that. We must have been going through it at the same time. And yeah. we didn't know. <laughs> it wasn't because of this in particular, but this added to it, of course. But she still really loves this movie and is proud of it. But she really did think it was going to kind of kickstart her career into a different direction because she could see the nuance in the script and was really excited about it. And Amanda Seyfried still considers it one of her favorite movies that she's ever made. Oh, that's great. But because of the backlash to Megan Fox, people didn't like her performance at all, actually. They thought it was wooden and it was like, see, this is why she should just be a pair of tits. And like that really just destroyed her for a long time. I mean, already she was feeling pretty on edge because of her experience with Michael Bay. And then 
she was like, I'm making a movie about women with women. And she really thought it was going to be a salvation for her career-wise. Yeah, she is kind of wooden, but it's like in a way that works like, because she's like the cool teenager where it's not cool to care about, so, you know. Like, yeah. You were talking about the scene with the car closing, and it made me think, that's the only scene where she's like vulnerable in the whole movie is when they're going to sacrifice her. The whole rest of the movie, I feel like she's either cool or she's like killing someone. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like the only bit of vulnerability is when she's in their van and when they're like about to kill her. And I don't know, I just think that's really interesting because, yeah, the rest of the movie she is, I don't know if it's wooden, but it's not that vulnerability. Well, she's got like detachment as an armor. Yeah. Right, exactly. And she uses her physicality to get what she wants and needs. That's very well established. Maybe they're just boys, morsels. We have all the power, don't you know that? These things, these are like smart bombs. Okay, you point them in the right direction and shit gets real. I guess another just minor prop is that we don't see a lot of her before she gets turned. Mm -hmm. We just see like little flashes of them in the sandbox and then like just the tiniest bit of interaction before all that shit goes down. I'll be perfect, Tom Brady, and you'll be hurt. Why do I actually ugly Ashley? Ow! What's wrong, Jennifer? Don't tell me I'm bullish. Make me a shot. I'm telling you. It was well written enough that you do get a sense of their relationship. Like, you know there's already issues with their friendship. You know there's already themes of raising her physicality. You know there's already, like, something between them, kind of. But it's really only, like, two scenes with them, pretty much. It just would have been nice to see more of that. I don't know. Like, you don't necessarily need it, but it maybe would have centered their friendship a little bit better. Maybe that would have made it more obvious to viewers that it was about their, more about their friendship and then less about hot girl kills people. Because, <laughs> God, it is so much about their relationship because it's not just, like, that she kills boys. She kills one boy that she decides to kill on her own, and it's just because she's hungry. And then all the rest of the choices she makes are to get back and needy. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's pretty interesting, <laughs> right? It's Shit. so wild to people don't get that that's why she kills Colin, because it feels so intentional, because they like they talk about Chip feeling jealous, thinking Needy likes him. How are you friends with Colin Gray? I thought Colin Gray only talked to the dead girls. I just am. We've created nonfiction together. He's a really good writer. He's like all dark and emotional and stuff. Hmm. Well, I'm like that too. I mean, I can relate. No, I'm not all obvious about like, a poser. And then they show so clearly Jennifer only caring once she thinks Needy likes him, and people still, like, don't register that at all. Colin's really nice. He's into maggot rock. He wears nail polish. My dick is bigger than this. Well, I think he's really cool. You do? Yeah. Wait. Colin. She literally says no to him until Needy says, I think he's cool. I mean, it's very obvious to Needy. Needy's like, come on. When she killed her in the end, it was kind of like facing this toxic person and standing up to her. It's very allegorical, right? Because yeah. if she weren't a demon, they would just have a big fight. <laughs> but because she is a demon and she killed her boyfriend, <laughs> it's like, I do have to also kill you. That's the only way to end this friendship. It's unfortunate that she has to go to jail for a little while. She's so funny in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Floating in her cell. She feels great or whatever, but I'm like, I love her face. You're in solitary. <laughs> What's going on? That's how she has to escape. She has to, like, trick them into... She has to get thrown in solitary so she can float out the window. Oh, yeah. I love the ending credits. Uh, I love like the that. rock star in the hotel. Oh, my God. You know what's coming. Like, when she's like, tonight's going to be their last show. <laughs> so why are you headed east? 
I'm following this rock band. <laughs> Must be one hell of a group. Tonight's gonna be their last show. Did she gets the same <laughs> knife that they killed Jennifer with? Or not killed, but... Dude, that is a hot murder weapon. Bowie knife. Bowie. Nice. All right, here we go. It's gonna be gnarly. Yeah, that's really cool. That band is very effectively terrible. They're good enough that the first scene where they like hold hands, you're like, okay, this is cool. This is a nice moment. But from then on, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. You totally get it every time. They're like, I don't want to It's like a perfectly crafted bad pop song yeah. because you really understand why the masses would be into it and yeah the cute band <laughs> on the poster the members of the rock and roll group low shoulder have decided to extend a helping hand to our community as you all know their song through the trees has become our unofficial anthem of unity and healing and they have decided to release it as a benefit single. 3% of the profits will go to local families who have been affected by loss. What about the other 97%? I mean, that's just crass, right? Low shoulder are American heroes? No, they're not. I was there, Chastity. They didn't help anybody escape the fire. I don't even know how that rumor got started. Rumor? <laughs> rumor? It's true. It's on the Wikipedia. We wouldn't even know who they were if they hadn't been playing that night. They used us. You take that back, needy less, Nikki. Girls. We need them now more than ever. They start the fire, right? I've always been unsure if that scene is intentional or not. And I feel like it is. I feel like they do intentionally have stuff that sets the fire. Just because of how chill Adam Brody is when he walks out of the fire and he's like, God, yes! and he's like, yeah. hey guys, you want to hang out with my van? Oh, thank God you guys are all right. I've been looking everywhere for you two. You want to head someplace safer with my van? What? I'm in survival mode right now and I want us to get to a familiar place. And right now I feel like that's my van. <laughs> you seem freaked out. So I feel like it is an intentional thing that they start the fire, but I don't know. It's always been kind of unclear because it is just yeah. that their equipment goes wrong. Yeah, I really like that it's not spelled out. Really, that is the vibe. Is like because he is so blasé. Yeah. And the band's they already in the band. Kind of a while. They do. <laughs> of course, he's not going to cut the set short. Part of like a tribute and it to totally all the people who died. And like, okay, that that made them Maroon Five level. <laughs> I thought it was so funny in the beginning where at the bar he's like, "Yeah, I think it's really important to come connect with our fans in shitty areas." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're kind of already doing it, but let's definitely for real go into meaningful passages i've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of mopey dick you know what i mean because that was definitely one of mine why would you want to play all the way out here in devil's kettle you live in the city right yeah uh but you know i think it's really important sometimes to try and connect with our fans in the shitty areas too it's amazing being able to deliver a line like that <laughs> it's devil's kettle fuck yeah right it is <laughs> good evening devil's lake Kettle. Fucking A-Ride it is. What a crazy fucking whirlpool. It's apparently a real thing. Devil's Kettle sounds twisted, I know, but the place is just named after a waterfall. Technically, it's not a normal waterfall. 
it goes into this hole and it doesn't come out. The scientist guys dropped all kinds of things down there, but nothing ever surfaces. Maybe it's another dimension. Or, you know, just really deep. There's no town called Devil's Kettle, but that thing exists. The waterfall that goes nowhere. It's a Judge <laughs> Magony State Park in Minnesota. And apparently it disappears into a glacial pothole. Like when he's like, I grew up in a place like this. <laughs> you can tell this you're from Brooklyn. Talking about the one who just went to get me a drink, the State Fair Butter Princess? That's the one. I don't know, you sure she's and I grew up in a town like this, okay? There's always that girl. They love to show it off, but they do not give it up. You told us you were from Brooklyn. My point is, this girl's definitely a virgin, okay? That's a very good characterizing moment. I like that I couldn't bring myself to hurt you because I'm such a good friend. I couldn't bring myself to hurt you. I mean, I'm a really good friend. But I was just so hungry. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yeah, I wrote also, could the bass be any lower in the mix? Oh, that is no. so funny. <laughs> and actually, like, a line, a Diablo Cody line that I thought actually worked was moveon.org. <sighs> moveon.org, needy, it's over. Life is too short to be moping around about some white trash pig roast. Like, I feel like that one caught on from this movie, kind of. Oh, I love that. That one works for some reason. It's hard to say why lines like that work or don't work, but makes and breaks them. Oh, that reminds me of how Jennifer says cross out needy a ton. Boo, cross out needy. Needy doesn't cross out yeah. her chest right before she kills her. Cross out Jennifer. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yes, obviously it's just about their friendship. Come on, guys. Do you know what this is for? for cutting boxes. Do you buy all your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you're much. Just as a meaningful passage in general, I wrote, yes, Amy Sedaris, because she is so funny as Needy's mom. I dreamed some bad people were trying to nail you to a tree with hammers and big stakes and shit, just like JC. But I didn't let him get you because I'm a hard-ass for tough mama bear. I love her so much. I really love the shot of Jennifer swimming from overhead because she looks like an actual predatory water creature. It's so fucking cool. She's completely naked, but she's actually wearing like a body sock or something. Karin Kusama in general is really good at shooting women not gazy, right? I guess it's like the female gaze, right? <laughs> sort of. It's really good. That's one of my favorite shots. I was in Mexico one time parasailing and I saw a huge ass manta ray in the water and I'll never forget like looking down and seeing the manta ray and it was bigger than the boat oh, wow. that we were taken off from. And so I thought of that when I saw her majestic frightening creature in the water. I wrote, I have the cops in my back pocket needy. Uh, I want to call the police. Uh, okay. Why don't you narc me out? I have the cops in my back pocket needy. I'm fucking a cadet, remember? She's fucking a cadet. <laughs> she's so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how she thinks that. I also I really love the 9-11 drink. <laughs> the 9-11 shooter. They have this really awesome 9-11 shooter. It's red, white, and blue, but you have to drink it really fast or it turns brown. And... All right, well, we'll drink it fast. That is really, really funny. <laughs> Something like a bar in a small town would do. And you have no. to drink them really fast or else they get gross. Isn't full enough. She got flack for that at the time. It was like, oh, it's God. too soon for a 9-11 joke. Up. Like, come on. <laughs> I know. Well, at first, Colin's asking her if she wants to watch Rocky Horror. <laughs> There's a midnight uh, showing of Rocky Horror at the Bijou next weekend. I don't like boxing movies. Yeah, but it's in the, 
It's not a fucking boxing movie. I heard it as I don't like rocks in movies. I'm like, oh. That works too. <laughs> also, there's a little Easter egg for Kasama. <laughs> she directed oh, yeah. Girl Fight. I can't remember who Needy's talking to and she's telling him about Jennifer getting in the van and he's like, what kind of van? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like they took her in their spooky van with the windows all blacked out. Did you get the Megan model? I don't know, Chip, an 89 rapist? She's still in there. We have to go find her. That is a very good line. Oh, my God. Well, I always like the out-of-touch teacher or adult oh my in God, the movies. Yeah. <laughs> who's a cool dude? Or who's a hoe? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Now, more than ever, beside your teenage concerns about who's a cool dude or who's a hoe, we can't let that damn fire win. We can't let that fire win. <laughs> this isn't a passage, but I feel like my favorite shot in that movie is it's like Colin Gray's hand with like the fishnet gloves and he's holding a rosary and there's like blood splatters. It's Ooh. just such a cool image. I feel like there's so much going on with it. Yeah. I feel like the religious imagery in the movie is really interesting because it's kind of repeated. Like it kind of starts with it because Needy's talking about like, oh, they keep telling me they're praying for me and I pray and it doesn't do anything. There's a cross in her house and in her room at the jail. And then her mom is like, I had a dream you were being crucified. That is really interesting. I didn't even think about all that because this is a world in which demons are real. They tell me everything will be okay if I just accept Jesus Christ into my heart. I say the words, but nothing ever happens. Nobody comes back. Nobody gets off the cross. That's always interesting. What has power in a movie where religion is a real thing? Yeah. And like praying to God doesn't ever help even then. I love that too. It's not gonna help. You can hold the rosary all you want, but you're still gonna get eaten by a succubus <laughs> because this shitty band wanted to be famous. It's almost like they didn't even need to sacrifice her because the fire alone was enough to make them famous. Yeah. That's also an interesting like kind of chicken egg question. Would that have happened anyway or was it because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the devil's greatest trick? <laughs> you fell for it. That's baby. what I heard. <laughs> the devil's biggest trick is to convince people that he doesn't even exist. So this is not a passage, but I love 80s, very 80s prom look. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Oh. And you look totally hot in that dress. Clearly delirious. Love it. <laughs> the hair and the dress. Oh, God. Oh, Nidia, I love you. I cannot stand her glasses, though. <laughs> How did she settle on the Harry Potter frames? I feel like literally any other frame would have been better on her face. And obviously, like, Amanda Seyfried is so pretty. Yeah. I know they were trying really hard to make her look nerdy, but I'm just like, there's no way she would look in the mirror and be like, these. These are the ones I want. They're just too small on her face. I don't know. It bothers me. My favorite line probably was, she's actually evil. In that same conversation, when she's hungry, she gets ugly. Well, ugly for her. Yes! <laughs> yeah. I know when she's full and she's like, and her hair is like really perfect. <laughs> <laughs> When she's not feeling good and she's like, I feel like one of the normal girls. <laughs> my skin is breaking out and my hair is dull and lifeless. God. It's like I'm one of the normal girls. But she does still look so hot. Like, yeah, at the beginning when she's pale. Apparently she did stay out of the sun for four months. So. Wow. To look like that. No amount of special effects could actually make her look bad. And even then, it's like she's wearing those high socks in bed, <laughs> watching TV. Like, mm. <laughs> it is. It's really good. I wrote down the line What's wrong with you besides the obvious surface flaws? What is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? 
besides the obvious surface flaws. Because that just speaks volumes about their relationship. And how Needy just kind of shrugs that off, you know? It's because that's the sort of shit she says to her all the time, probably. Yeah. Or when she's yeah. like, where's something cute meets something very specific. I can't show my tits. And like she has mm-hmm. all these rules that she just knows from Jennifer. I could expose my stomach, but never my cleavage. Tits were her trademark. It's such an obvious hierarchy. <laughs> and it's very specific because she wants her friend to look cute. So she's not like with an ugly girl, but mm-hmm. she doesn't want her to look cuter than her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit nuanced. A lot of levels there. And trying to explain that to Chip, it just doesn't work at all. He does not get it. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. It's something that happens when you try to sacrifice a virgin to Satan without using an actual virgin. If the human sacrifice is impure, the result may still be attained, but the demon will forever reside in the soul of the victim. She must forever feed on flesh to sustain the demon. Okay. She's eating boys. They, like, make her really pretty and glowy, and her hair looks amazing. And then when she's hungry, she's weak and cranky and ugly. I mean, like, ugly for her. I don't want Chip to die, but he's not a good boyfriend. (laughs) Especially because he never believes anything Needy tells him. Needy, I think you need help. Oh my god, you don't believe me. It's not that I don't believe you, I just don't believe this. God, this is a a nightmare. Although I kind of like that. Yeah. I get it. I mean, she's telling him about like a demon possession. Yeah, like I don't know what I mean. He hasn't seen any of the stuff. That's proof. He hasn't seen any of it. I can't fault someone for like not believing that the devil has possessed a friend of yours. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but if, like, someone I loved already would be like, tell me why you think this. I don't know. And he does tell her pretty early on, like, you should talk to someone because this is clearly a lot's going on. Like, you just witness this fire. Clearly, you need help with something. Yeah, but no one gives her any help. It's very dismissive to be like, go get therapy. Yeah. I don't know. I feel we're asking a lot from a teenage boy. I feel like it's valid to say that. Like, I don't believe in that. You know, yeah. it's not, I'm not, not believing you. That reminds me of the bit at the beginning when Jennifer shows up and she, like, senses her. Jennifer's here. How do you know? Needy, quit pampering yourself and get down here. That's fucking weird. Needy and Jennifer do, like, for real have, like, a telepathic link. That yes! was kind of there before the demon. Like, she totally does just sense that Jennifer's there. But then later on when there's stuff, like, she sees Jennifer in the corner of a room and she's <laughs> killing someone. And it's like, they do have, like, a link there. Sandbox love never dies. Yeah, it's more than just sandbox love. That is kind of neat and unexplained. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, like, now Megan Fox is with Machine Gun Kelly. And, like, they have, like, this very horror red carpet thing that they do. Remember, like, when he had the black mouth or the black tongue? I think I missed that. (laughs) I know they were doing something with, like, vials of blood. Oh, yeah, it's like a Billy Bob. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Their generation. This kind of reminded me of her. This movie. I don't know. I like Chip as a character. I feel like he does try. He's definitely not like perfect. But <laughs> you're sad when he dies for sure. Definitely, and I do like that he apologizes too for not believing her. I like, think that's nice. It's too late, but <laughs> it's like thank you. I love that it ended with in the flesh. The Blondie cover. Oh, that was so great. What is the the soundtrack of this movie? What's the song that something great? Colin Gray. Colin Gray. What's he singing? I wanted to call him Christian Gray. It's a cover. I don't remember what it was, but it's a cover of a song. 
Oh wait, I do know. It's a screeching weasel, yeah. sunshiny day. And I was like pointing out posters. I'm like, Congress a Motion City soundtrack poster and a four year stronger poster. Ooh. There was like the one seduction scene and they're playing like I think it's Akon or something, but it's like oh my oh my god, I remember when that song was on the radio all the time. It was like I wanna love you. You already know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like heard that and I'm like, wow. Very 2009. That's like one of my favorite movie soundtrack original is New Perspective by Panic at the Disco. It's played in that movie. Ooh. It's like as they're getting ready for prom. Long did you tell me there's two songs by Panic at the Disco that reference Closer and one by Fall Out Boy that does? Uh, yes. Why is that? <laughs> really? He tastes like you, but sweeter, and thanks for the memories. And then Panic at the Disco has a song called Lying. It's the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. And a second song called But It's Better If You Do. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, apparently. It's not worth the three I just don't understand why it's yeah. like the movie closer. Yeah, yeah like with Natalie Portman. Oh, wow. The only thing you can think of is that it's very hot. Like, it's a hot movie that's garbage. Clive Owen is really hot in it, and Natalie Portman's really hot in it. She's got that. Pink she's got the pink wig and she's doing pole dancing. Forgot about that. So the name of their band, Low Shoulder. That is such a grand tradition of naming your band after road signs. <laughs> Slater Kitty. Is it just those two? Just those two. It's a grand tradition. <laughs> the grand tradition. I'm sure there are others. I will think of them. Linkin so Park. To that, like ripping off Slater Kitty with the idea. I wonder if there's something there. I don't know. Oh, maybe. That didn't even register. Yeah. Wow. A sign on the roof. Yeah. Well, that's I it. They. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay, that's what yeah, and it's their logo. Apparently the original script was a lot more violent. They had it them cut it. Violent. Yeah. But they had Jennifer feeding on testicles. You watched the director's cut, right, Logan? Yeah, I feel like I've seen like three different versions of this movie. And it's all, it's really random stuff that's cut out. There's like two scenes with like the emo kids that aren't in like the main version that are only in like the unrated one. And it's like mm -hmm. them at his funeral and them at the like prom. But then there's like also a scene where she gears up and like prepares to go for the final scene where she kills Jennifer that I liked. That's not in the other version. No, I wonder why they would cut that stuff. The goth kids at the funeral, that was really It's funny. a really good scene. Oh yeah? It's their time to shine. <laughs> Shit, I gotta look that up. We were gathered here to celebrate the life of Colin Gray. He was plucked from the prime of his <laughs> Colin! Take me with you! I belong down there! In the darkness! No, Kevin. Those are just his earthly remains. He's among the dark angels of the realm now. Fly, Colin. Fly into the permanent. We rented it on Voodoo. That's mm -hmm. the version that I did. Yeah, like every time we've watched it, it's some different way. Because I saw a version that did have those scenes with the goth kids, but didn't have her gearing up to fight Jennifer. In the old days, like, you get lots of different versions of movies because of being televised on different networks. It's not like that anymore, so why would they still do that? I don't know. <laughs> like those extra scenes in Breakfast Club when it's on TV. Yeah. Or the dong cut of Fast Times where it's literally just the same exact movie, but one shot, one of, shot of a dong. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> God, did I just never notice that before? I watched it a hundred times. There was full frontal male nudity. Weird that I never noticed this yeah. before. 
That must be that I just sneezed every time right at that point. So the goth scene at the funeral is very Heathers, I feel like. Like, it's like these teenagers are, like, being really extra about this morning, and then the parent is like, you guys don't understand this at all. Yeah. That feels pretty Heathers. Yeah, you're right. I'm pretty sure my son wouldn't have liked being eaten by a fucking cannibal and buried before his 18th birthday. Wow. You must have known him so well. By the time they found Colin in that godforsaken house, he looked like lasagna with teeth. I know, I had to identify the remains. My boy is not in the realm of the undead. He is not flying around in the firmament on magical wings of flame. He's in an overpriced, rosewood box that's headed six feet downtown. You should not have cut that. They really dropped the ball in this movie. That's gotta be so frustrating. Well, I know it's frustrating for Kazama. Was girlfriend after? No, before. That was her first movie. I do really like this quote from Diablo Cody about the script. There's a sexual energy between the girls which is kind of authentic because I know when I was a teenage girl, the friendships that I had with other girls were almost romantic. They were so intense. I wanted to sleep at my friend's house every night. I wanted to wear her clothes. We could talk on the phone until our ears ached. I wanted to capture that heightened feeling you get as an adolescent that you don't really feel as a grown-up. You like your friends when you're a grown-up, but you don't need to sleep in the same bed with them and talk to them on the phone until 5 a.m. every night. I think that's an interesting quote because it is kind of about that friendship, but it is more than just friendship. Mm -hmm. Like, it's pretty well established. But then, does Diablo not know that when she's <laughs> writing it? <laughs> I'm really interested in that. Right. Yeah, I imagine so. But there's some pretty intentional lines where it's like, you know, this is very clearly more than friendship. It smells like Thai food in here. Have you guys been fucking? Uh, you're gross. You're gross. You're gross. It's so gross. You're fuck you. We can play boyfriend-girlfriend like we used to. Right. right. Or, you know, when they make out. Right, that too. But we always share your bed when we have slumber parties. I have never heard you drop the F-bomb. And it's pretty stark contrast, that kissing scene, to the two sex scenes with Chip. Yeah. Where she's just laying there thinking about something else or imagining blood on the ceiling. I think it's from around the time the movie came out. So that's fun. I wonder if, if she was underplaying that or if it just was years later when she kind of realized herself what all that meant. Right, uh, speaking yeah. as a person who also <laughs> realized later in life that I had some friendships that were maybe more than friendships in high school. <laughs> right. That's why I feel like, does she think... what? What does she think is universal? Seems like someone not having figured some things out. Yes. Everybody wants to fuck their female <laughs> friends, right? That's just a thing that's... A I'll normal say, teenage girl thing. Oh, no, actually no. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Needy has like romantic feelings for Jennifer and then Jennifer knows that and is I think Jennifer kind of playing with her a little bit. At least just as much or like more. Romantic. Yeah, oh for sure. I don't know. I don't think Jennifer likes guys at all. There's that scene where Chip and Needy are talking and Needy's like, oh, Jennifer would only go out with lead singers. Girls like her to go out with drummers. And I feel like <laughs> it's very much like the guys Jennifer goes out with, they're just like a status symbol. They're like totally. trophies or whatever. I don't think she likes guys at all. I don't know. 
Yeah. At least not to the level that she clearly likes Needy, I feel like. Or if she does, it's just on a physical level. She doesn't have any emotional connection to Mm -hmm. any guys. Yeah, she definitely seems like she knows the effect that her sexuality has on other people. How are you going to get alcohol? (laughs) Uh, I'll just play Hello Teddy with a bartender. She knows that power that she has with people and... Where it works like, it, yeah. <laughs> she seduces plenty of men and kills them, whereas with Needy, she can't kill her. She couldn't bring herself to kill her or whatever. And then, like, yeah. Has an emotional bond with Needy. Also, I think it's interesting how both she and Needy think that telling the guys that Jennifer is a virgin is going to make them not interested. Yeah. Like, I think that's really interesting that they both say she's a virgin as a way to get them to back off her. Yeah. Hey, that's my best friend that you're talking about. And you're right, she is a virgin. And that beats sleeping with creeps like you. You know what? I think the lead singer wants me. Only because he thinks that you're a virgin. I heard them talking. What? I'm not even a backdoor virgin anymore, thanks to Roman. And by the way, that hurts. I couldn't even go to Flags the next day. I had to stay home and sit on a bag of frozen peas. Are you even sure she's a fucking virgin, man? Yes. Yes, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. I've never, I've never even done sex I don't know how so you guys should find somebody who does know how Peter I told you man you owe me a beer yeah I feel like with Needy she's definitely like defending Jennifer's like honor like yes of course she's a virgin (laughs) well they're just misreading what the guys want like yes they only want you because they think you're a virgin so I feel like Needy kind of knows what's going on. I mean, not like actually what's going on. But, but she doesn't know why they yeah. want her because they think, she yeah. thinks it's because it makes her more sexually desirable. Oh, another movie that I was reminded of, especially when Jennifer's levitating, it just reminded <laughs> me of the Lost Boys. Corey Haim and his mm-hmm. brothers, Jason Patrick, and Corey Haim's like, whoa, what's going on with you? Yeah. It reminded me a lot of that flying scene in Lost Boys. She can fly. She's just hovering. It's not that impressive, but do you have to undermine everything that I do? You are such a player hater. It's like a really realistic sort of <laughs> reaction to that power. <laughs> yeah. And then I really love Needy's line. It's she's just, just but she's just like, yes, that's so funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and so telling of their relationship. Not everything she does is amazing. <laughs> it's really sad because in another life, maybe they could have made it work. <laughs> Next call. It took about 10 years, apparently, for it to be seen correctly by critics. It was about 2018, 2019 when it came back into the zeitgeist somehow. Maybe it was just that it was the 10th anniversary or something. When I was researching it, that's when all the revisiting Jennifer's Body think pieces came out. People started mm. respecting horror movies in general a little more. Now, I don't really like the term elevated horror, but if it's like a term that lets people appreciate horror movies. Yeah, or lets horror movies get respected more, maybe that's, you know. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely part of it. When did Shaun of the Dead come out? That's 2006. Like, yeah, because I was like, wow, Jennifer's body. Ahead of, I don't know, like the <laughs> horror, horror combo. There's always been horror comedy. Evil Dead 2 is horror comedy. It's few and far between. And there's always been funny moments in horror. It's yeah. just marrying the two vibes a little bit more. I don't know. I didn't see a lot of horror movies. I just missed all those, like, movies. I'm, like, way more into seeing horror movies now than I used to be, and I'm like, 
wow, I've missed out on a lot of like <laughs> seminal movies. <laughs> Definitely. It's I mean, one of my very favorite genres. You can just say so much with horror. And I really feel like real life is horrifying. So <laughs> it's kind of the most realistic representation of the themes that we all struggle with every day. I really like this piece by Emily Jacobson for filmdays.net. One of her favorite things about it is that Jennifer survives her attack because she's a sexual person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she would have just straight up died if she it's hadn't like the been. Opposite of like the final girl trope. Like it's like right. it's yeah. the right. rules are like, oh if you're not a virgin you die, but then right. like, she's not a virgin so she lives. Yeah, that is really a nice <laughs> nice aspect. Oh, I do have another question. Uh, maybe, Logan, you have the answer to this. Uh, when she's first killing the football player, why are there all those animals around her? <laughs> Jen. What? Look. <sighs> They're waiting. I guess it's just the succubus thing. There's animals when she kills Colin too. Like the rats are running around and stuff. I guess that's just a thing that those do. It's kind of like a Snow White fairy tale princess thing. Just some fairy tale imagery Mm -hmm. like throughout. But then the deer is straight up feasting on those entrails. They know what's happening. They want to eat him. Usually deer don't eat entrails. I just thought it was interesting because all those animals are not known for their scavenging. I was like, wow, that raccoon is going to go to town on some football player guts. (laughs) In a minute, which she can't eat because it's too much. She overordered with that football yeah. player. That's interesting because she always does leave most of them. Like, she's not eating their whole bodies. She's just kind of like eating a little of them. Yeah. <laughs> you see Colin, his insides are all ripped out. But he's mostly still there. Long term, I think if she were to live, she would need to get herself a deep freezer or something. Yeah. So she can like just take little bits out at a time. Just how she was so matter of fact about when I feel empty, I just need to fill up again or whatever. It kind of reminded me of Santa Clarita diet. Drew Barrymore <laughs> is just like, I need to eat. And my husband's like, let's get you something to eat. She's not like a possessed, nonverbal zombie or anything. She's just like herself, but... There's this new aspect of her. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like that. Like just how anyone would be if they were hungry. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm so hungry, guys. <laughs> Sorry I was a little unreasonable earlier. I'm just yeah. very hungry. <laughs> so this is what's called a lunchtime poll. Well, why don't we let Logan say the lunchtime poll? So in the scene where Needy kills Jennifer, kind of the climactic moment, they're both levitating. Needy grabs Jennifer's, like, BFF's necklace and yanks it off, and Jennifer, like, totally drops, like, her powers, like, totally go out. If you, like, were a succubus, what would the source of your power be? Like, what would be something, like, an object that if you lost, you would just totally deflate in power? I feel like I have a good answer for that. Uh, I think it's gonna be my bra. Because my tits would just droop right down. (laughs) And that would be so sad. Tits are kind of my trademark, I don't know. I think it would definitely be a ponytail holder. If I don't have a ponytail holder in my pocket or if I don't know where one is, I'm just like out of sorts. I love it. Keep one in your pocket, not around your wrist. It cuts my circulation. I love it. I sometimes I loop it around like as a ring, but I've like always got one in my pocket or pocket in my purse. I have like a bunch of ponytail holders. Sometimes you just like, oh, it's like, I gotta, too much hair. Totally. That always baffles me when I'm doing a yoga video and the yoga teacher has long hair and it's not tied back and they're just doing all kinds of stuff. I'm like, how are you not so annoyed right now? (laughs) There's a guy that comes all the time that he 
he's got wild hair. I don't know. Do you want a hair tie? <laughs> yeah, I guess for me, I've got like a necklace that's probably on the only piece of jewelry I always wear. It's just like a safety <laughs> Like I've made this out of a broken chain. But I feel like I always have it, so I guess that would probably throw me off to not have it. Yeah, you're like held together by a safety pin. That's, <laughs> that's pretty punk. I guess I would say my, uh... I don't know, I'm pointing to a leg, anyone can see it, but my earring oh, yeah. and my, yeah, because I always have this. So I pierced my cartilage myself when I was 17 with, like, my mom's sewing needle. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I did both ears, but, I mean, this one, there's probably still a hole, but I haven't worn an earring in that side for... I can't remember the last time. So I just have a diamond stud in here. I used to have a pair, and I used to wear them both in the lobe of my left ear, and then I lost one. It's weird that mm -hmm. I lost one because it's a screw-in. Oh. Yeah. So now I always make sure that this is in nice and tight. So I don't know. I just have always had this piercing. You know, my dad gave me these earrings a long time ago, and I guess that's would be mine. I would be very upset if I lost this ear. Oh. <laughs> Especially because I feel yeah. like... I would never buy a diamond something now. You right. Know? But, like, what can you do? These are right. Right. Someone already mined them. Right. right. <laughs> sure, there's blood on this diamond, but, you know. It's very pretty and sparkly. Yeah, I really, really like it. It is, and it's always there. Very trademarky. So much so that I don't even, like, think about it too much, except, I mean, now I'm realizing, like, yeah, if I were to draw you, I would probably draw that in there. How very. I don't get why they play Violet and not Jennifer's body. <gasps> oh my god, I know! I don't either. Oh yeah, what is the whole song where it's like, pieces... That's, it's called Jennifer's Body, body and it's what the name of the movie is, is taken from. They don't play the song in it. Maybe it's that is so else. weird. Maybe. But it's... Oh, <laughs> wow, I don't know. I never figured that out. I would love to know that answer. I know, like, music rights are just so crazy. But, like, yeah, if they had to go to Courtney Love to get a song, right. why would she say you can have this one but not the other one from yeah, the same right. album? I don't know. <laughs> but same, like, you know, in Fast Times when he's, like, play side one of Led Zeppelin 4 and then it's, like, it's a not, different Led yeah. Zeppelin song and it was because they couldn't get... That one, yeah, would get cashmere. It's so know. weird. That really ruins Jennifer's movies body, sometimes. Like, that probably went over teenage boys like Jennifer's body. I hear that and I think of Hole, right? Mm -hmm. but, like a teenage boy, I don't know, like Jennifer's body, like sexual. <laughs> Well, it's a very loaded title, right? Yeah, it's a good title. It, make, it would make perfect sense for the song to be in it, but especially right. because the song is about, like, a murdered girl, and she's a murdered girl, but then she comes back and uses her body to survive, and she's been using her body to survive the whole time, but she's more than just her body. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot going on there. You a Heather? No. I'm a Veronica. There's some fun alternate casting. Oh, Emma wow. Stone was considered for Needy. Wow. Brie Larson auditioned for Needy. I could see Emma Stone, but not so much Brie Larson. And Blake Lively turned down the role of Jennifer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> she would not have been. I'm sorry. No. I think she's gorgeous, but I don't think she's, like, that great. She kind of played that role in uh, that other Paul Feig movie. Yeah, I thought she was like not good in that. Right? Yeah. Did we do that? Did we podcast? Well, we didn't podcast about it. We just movie? saw it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. Oh, but I thought that would be she, fun to pod. Yeah. 
Maybe that was the movie that we were like, let's... Let's start doing it. Yeah. Oh, we should plot about it then just... Just for historical... Sto- oh my God, the historical I was in line at Fred Meyer and like they had the DVD of the Spy Dump Me. Like, oh. like oh, that was on <laughs> Well, thank you, Logan, for being yeah. on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, Please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.